to take a couple minutes and uh, just give a couple of things that are happening over the next couple weeks here just to give you a little bit of direction. Uh, we're going to kind of stop at Easter because I don't want to overwhelm you, and, and we will, like regular practice, uh, these things will be in an email this week uh, to you, so um, that way you can just kind of listen. Details will come to you. Um, if you're not getting the church family emails, uh, it's either because we don't have your uh, contact information, or maybe it's going into your spam folder too, okay? So, uh, but, uh, so uh, next week we will start a new series, uh, which is uh, entitled, Who's Your One? If you have a really, really good memory... Uh, we were in the middle of this series back in uh, February or March of 2020, and then, I don't know if you remember, something kind of happened and kind of just threw everything away, and so this is going to be Who's Your One uh, Part B, and so, um, and so, yeah, so I think we're, we're going to just kind of, you know, focus on, um, you know, Christ, and why did, why did Christ come? What was the reason he came? To seek and save who? That which was lost, which is who? Us, all of us, exactly. And so he has a heart uh, for uh, the lost, those that are spiritually um, lost. And so, um, and his last words that he said before he left were what? What was the command that he gave? Well, this will be, be take two. What was the command that Jesus gave? Make disciples, exactly, make disciples, okay, very good, and so um, that is uh, part of what um, you know, we're going to talk about that. We've been in that study, and so uh, we'll talk about that more next week. So uh, March 26th, which is a Sunday evening, um, we're having one of the Lenten services, we'll be here, and uh, last week, just kudos, give yourselves a hand. Very good. We got it. We I, I know this is a hard morning, very hard morning. So, um, you guys signed up very well to bring uh, snacks and refreshments uh, to that night. The list is out um, in the uh, in the lobby, and uh, we'll send it to you the week before just to let you know. But um, that's an evening service, okay? And another thing that we have not done this before. Um, uh, who knows what a seder a seder meal is? Okay, a couple of you. How many of you know what a Passover meal is? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you know what the Last Supper is? Okay. If you don't, we need to talk. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're partnering up with First Baptist Church. Uh, David Blair has done a number of these. And last year, it was too late. And so uh, it's on our calendar. Um, and so Thursday, April the 6th, from 6 to 8, um, it will be at Brookville Baptist Church, and so it's basically a meal, but there's a ceremony along with it that gets intertwined throughout the meals, and, uh, and so there's a sign-up out in the, uh, the foyer for that. We need you to sign up, um, and part of, we don't have all the details ironed out. You have two pastors planning this, okay, and I'm kind of the uh, squeaky wheel to him that I keep saying, we doing this, we doing this, we doing this, and he's like, all right, all right, all right, so, um, so we want you to sign up. Uh, for that, um, and, uh, and, and part of the sign-up is uh, we're going to need some help, too. You know, whether that's cook and bring something, you know, I don't, I don't know, but uh, this isn't just a free meal, um, okay? 
And then uh, Easter Sunday, we will do two services, uh, a 9 o'clock and a 10.30, um, just to, to move people with schedule and room and, and just all those uh, pieces that are there. Um, and then uh, also, one of the things that, you know, this is kind of the last, you know, thing as it relates to a number of you are doing the disciple life journey or the disciple journey study. Um, and so that will be finishing up the end of March. And so some of you might be saying, or some of you might be saying, I'm not sure what I should be reading in my quiet time. And so my challenge to you is going to be uh, the, um, to read the book of Genesis. And uh, there's 50 chapters and do a chapter a day. Real simple. Read through it, you know, and, and jot some things down. Um, because as we're finishing the Genesis series this morning, but we have just skimmed the surface of it. There is so much more in there. And, uh, and so we want to encourage you um, to join us uh, in that. And so we'll talk more about that. So last week someone said, what are we doing after the disciple life? I'm like, we'll answer that question, okay? And if you have something else you're doing, praise God. You know, as long as you're in the Word, we don't care. All of it will speak to you. Um, but if you need direction, I know... Those in between, when you finish things, you can get lost. I don't know what to do next, and we end up doing nothing, and that's not good. So we'll plant that seed for you, okay? So uh, uh, another good news thing um, here, we've been uh, praying about, well, I guess two weeks ago, we laid our hands on um, our first deacon, uh, Carl, and within the last two weeks, um, another individual came forward to say, hey, I believe God's kind of calling me to this, and so uh, Rudy and I met with Matt uh, Turner, and Anna um, on uh, Wednesday evening, and so we're bringing him to the body to say, hey, for the next 21 days, if you have any dirt on, no, I'm not, I'm just kidding, so, um, uh, but no, part of that is to say, you know what, hey, you know, uh, you know if there's something that you know, hey, talk to us, um, that would be disqualifying, um, and so, um, and so we want to rejoice in that and praise God for that. Um, uh, how he is working and raising up people. I think most of you know Matt Turner. He'll be leading us in worship in a few moments. And, uh, and so that's uh, a good thing, okay? Yay, God, right? So, all right, so let's, uh, let's do this. Uh, we're going to have our, uh, our prayer time. Actually, I did those pretty quick. That's good. Usually I talk too much. I'm getting better at and so let's, uh, let's pause and pray. I'm going to invite, we'll invite the worship team up because uh, we're going to pause and pray and then move into our worship time. And, um, and so, uh, so go ahead and just, um, just bow your head, close your eyes. I'm just going to give you a moment to talk to the Lord and uh, tell him what's on your heart. This is chapter 50, and uh, we're going to kind of look at the tail end of uh, Joseph's life here. Um, there's obviously more to come, but um, as you're turning there, um, you know, we've been in this series on, in Genesis, and, um, and we're going to see the connection even next week, because we never get past it. Um, God, the creator, made everything that we see, and everything that he, said, he, he made, he, he described it as what? Good. That means it's perfect, it's right in what he, how he made it. Uh, but we get into Genesis chapter 3, and we see God's beauty and power is totally, totally messed up. And that's where we live. We live in a world of brokenness, right? I mean, how, how long does it take you to see the brokenness that's in this world? 
Not long. Okay, you know, we're trying to keep it simple here, you know. Turn on the news every night. What do you see? A broken world. A broken world. Full of hurt and full of pain. And there's good things too. So I don't want to be the pessimist this morning, but we're just acknowledging that um, this world is broken. So the question I, I want to ask you uh, this morning as we kind of get, get into um, Genesis chapter 50 and Joseph's life, um, how would your outlook on life changed if you completely, I got to say that, if you completely believed that God was really and truly in control of every situation in your life? How would your outlook on life change that he was sovereignly in control and so when you think in your life in that painful circumstance that you went through yet at the same time seeing that god had a purpose in it maybe you got a bad grade or maybe you failed at something maybe you failed at multiple things but yet in the failure you totally, totally believe that God was sovereignly in control. Maybe you wanted a promotion, job, you know, or maybe you're young people. You wanted to get on a sports team or you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. There was something that you wanted and you didn't get it. But yet, in, when you didn't get it, can you still believe that God is sovereignly in control. Maybe it's a disability that you were born with. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe your family is completely dysfunctional. Yet God, what if you believe that God was in that? Sovereignly. Sovereign's a $18 word for it means he's in control. Purpose in it. How about in your poor choices? I don't know about that. God can't be in that control. <laughs> Maybe we we'll have to turn it off. I don't know. Maybe your poor choices. God's still in control? Your sin, your rebellion. Maybe that moment when you were unsure of a decision, what to do. You know you needed to do something, but you just really didn't know. What if you totally Sovereignly in charge. How would your outlook change? That instead of crying the blues that we all do, and if we're really to be honest, when we go through a hard thing, we, 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 we start crying about why we're there. Um, we're going to swap mics. I'm not sure why. God is in this. And I think that's the question we, we think about when we look at Joseph's life. Because his life surely wasn't 
all good and great, right? Think back in his life. Last week, we left him. He was in prison. And why was he in prison? Because he said no to adultery. That's why he was in prison. He said no to his master's wife, and he was falsely accused. But he finds himself in jail. And it wasn't just for a year or two or three years. It was multiple years that he was in jail. But Joseph did believe that God was in control, even when he was unjustly in jail. And that's why when he was in jail, what did he do? He kept serving the Lord, and he got elevated. You remember in the story, um, he, he, he told two dreams of, of two of the king's officials, of Pharaoh's officials. And what did he say? Well, remember me when you get restored back. Did they remember him? No. In fact, it would take two more years of him being incarcerated unjustly in jail until things would change. Well, I never had to deal with that, Steve. Well, think about his family. You want to talk about a dysfunctional family. Read it. When we read through, you're going to see dysfunction in a way you're like, whoa, that's worse than what I see with my coworkers and my own. His brothers were planning on killing him, except one of them said, you know what, we don't, let's make some money. So they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Then his brothers lied to his dad for over 20 years. They told his dad that they're, their brother, Joseph, was dead for 20 years. That they lived this lie. You want to talk about dysfunctional? How's your family right to that? Okay, well, it's not so bad. But Joseph believed with all of his heart that God was in control of his life. All of it. And so we're going to see that at the, at the tail end of here. And this is kind of the whole, and again, we just don't have time to look at all the details of the story. And, and so in this, you know, uh, blessing happens and, and a famine happens. And again, is God in control of that? Of course he is. And God even uses it to reunite his family. He uses it to bring his brothers that thought he was dead or forgot about him to now all of a sudden Joseph in one day goes from the pit of prison to now the second in command in all of Egypt. He is the vice president. Well, they didn't really. He was the vice pharaoh, I guess would be the term. He was second in command. Literally in one day, he goes from prison to number two in all of the land of Egypt. And so what do we see? What does Joseph show us? Joseph shows us that we can give kindness when we ha- because we have received God's kindness. When Joseph is standing, be- when his brothers are standing before him, how does he treat them? And we're going to see that here. Their dad is dead. And so how do his, how does his, how do his brothers now, how do they respond to this? And so look with, uh, with me in Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 15. And we're just going to read this section here. And it says this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, 
It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions, transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and, and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So how could Joseph, who has been treated horribly by his brothers, say to his brothers, how could he treat them with kindness? Well, there's only one way you can do that. It's that you know God's kindness in your life. You know how God treats you. And that God gives to you what you don't deserve. And when you see that and know that and understand that, then you can turn around and those who have hurt you and done horrible things to you, you can extend kindness toward them. And that's what Joseph is doing here with his brothers that lied to their dad for 20 years that he was dead. And so what do we see here? And let's, let's look and, and, you know, there's a lot going on in this, in this uh, interaction here. And so the first thing we see is the brothers. And again, what does a dysfunctional family do? They continue to live in dysfunction. And that's what the brothers are doing, right? Their dad's dead, and they're like, you know what? We got, we got, we got to protect ourselves because, you know what? He's the VP. Like, he could take us out. What are we going to do? But see, they didn't really know their brother. They didn't really know him. And so what do the brothers do? They... They lie to Joseph. They, they, they create a story and they say, this is what dad said. Did dad say that? No. They're, they're continuing to lie. Why? Because they didn't believe God was in control. What did, what, did they, what did they believe? They're in control. See, we lie because we want to be in control. That's how it works. And that's what the brothers are doing here. They're lying because they're trying to protect themselves. And they're continuing the dysfunction that was in their family. And see, the same thing true is when we lie, what also happens in the moment? When we're lying and we're living in lies, we're blind to God. We can't see his hand. And that's what the brothers are doing here. They don't really care about God. They just want to protect their bottom. They just want to make sure that they're not on the chopping block because their brother could do it. And see, that's the same thing. When, when we sin, when we lie, when we tell lies, no matter how little or how big, we lie because we want to be in control. And when we want to be in control, God can't be in control when we're in control. Now, that's kind of an oxymoron because God is always in control. We're deceived, you know, in, in that moment. 
And so that's what his brothers are doing. And so the question is, well, how do I allow God to be in control? It's real simple. Tell the truth. That's it. That's it, Steve. Yep. I didn't say it's easy, but it's that simple. When we tell the truth, then, then we can allow God to demonstrate that he's in control. And so that's what we see here. That's what we see going on. And so his brothers are, you know, again, they're, they're still trying to, to, to hold it up. And so how does Joseph respond to that? It says in here that he weeps. And, you know, why is he weeping? I, I think probably a, probably a number of things, <laughs> uh, reasons why he's weeping. He probably knows that, that dad didn't really say that. And, and he, he probably knows that, you know what, dad didn't have to say that because you just don't really know. Like, God has me here. I care about you. And so that's what Joseph says next in verse 19. Joseph understood God's authority. Verse 19, let me read it again. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? You see, Joseph knew and he believed that God was in control. Yeah, even when they put him in a pit. He knew that God had a purpose and had a plan. And God was doing something beyond the moment. And that's why Joseph's words here are not, they're, they're not empty words. They're, they're not just flattery. He knew intimately who God was. And he believed this with all of his heart. That's why he could stand before his brothers and say that. Hold your finger and go back um, to Genesis chapter 45. Here's the moment when he, he did the reveal. You know, I encourage you to go back and read this this week. He did the reveal to his brothers, uh, 45 verse 4. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. Look what he says next, verse, verse 5. And now do not be stressed, distressed, or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. The only way you can say something like that is because you understand God's kindness towards you. God's kindness towards you. And so that's what, ha what ha is happening here that Again, the, through the story, as you, you look back, and, 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 and Joseph can look back and to see God's faithfulness and God's hand specifically and personally. You can only do that in hindsight. In foresight, you can't see that. In foresight, you trust God and you obey him and you just believe that God is, God is working things out there. But when you turn around and you look, you can look and say, there he was. There he was. There he was. It didn't make sense. I was so mad in the moment. Why am I in jail, Lord? I don't get it. I did what was right for you. I said no in adultery. And I'm in jail? Are you kidding me? Oh, I get it. I had to get to jail because I was going to be with these 
to officials. And they were going to be in the place of Pharaoh. That's how I was going to get before Pharaoh. Never saw it. Couldn't plan it. And we see that in Joseph's life. But you know what? The same is true in your own life. You look back, do you see God's faithfulness? In your good decisions, but also in your poor decisions. You see God was pursuing you when you weren't even looking for him? You see when God was protecting you? When you were like, you know what? God, I don't care about you. You see his faithful hand in your life? Because he's sovereign. And Joseph understood that. He knew that. And that's why he could say to his brothers. And, and look what he says. And this is where, you know, kindness doesn't mean we're just this little old lady who, and I'm not knocking little old ladies, but it's not this little old person that is like, well, we, we don't want to say anything on mean. Look at, look at Joseph's kindness. His kindness meant that he was willing to speak the truth to his brothers. Look what he says. He, he, he doesn't glance over it. He doesn't avoid the truth. Um, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil. He's looking them in the eyes and he's saying, you know what, brother, and again, this is bro- like, we get this. We're like, this isn't this what brothers do? Brothers don't, they don't mince words. Joseph looks at his brothers and said, you, you meant this for evil. Not you had a bad day. No, you meant this for evil. Your heart was bad, was wrong. Probably didn't have that tone. I don't know why I'm yelling it, but <laughs> but you get the point. Joseph didn't. Wi- he, he spoke the truth to his brothers. God, God got me here, but you know what? You were evil towards me. Kindness speaks the truth. Okay. You were evil. What you did was hurt. He doesn't glance over that. You can see that. But again, Joseph could see that God was at work in the details and in the circumstances. An illustration, uh, you know, I heard this years ago. Um, how do you... How do you resolve God's sovereignty and our free will? You think of it, think of God's sovereignty like a huge cruise ship, or just a huge ship. And again, every illustration will break down, so don't start knocking it apart. That ship is destined for wherever. Just say, leaving Baltimore and heading to England. It is going to get to England. But on the ship are people running around doing all kinds of things. God's sovereignty is moving along, but at the same time on the ship, we can go in and out and do different things. You know, so we have free will to move around, but our moving around is within the ship of God's sovereignty and his hand. See, we don't get away from it. We live within it. And so that's what we see here. Joseph trusted God. That even when it didn't make sense, God, I I, I can't see it. 
when you can't see it, that's called faith. God, I, I don't get it, but I know that you're good, and I'm just going to keep trusting you and keep doing what I know is right and true. And I'll trust you with whatever happens next. And so that's what we see here. That's what we see Joseph doing and demonstrating. Fast forward. Um, fast forward to the book of Romans. This is, uh, this isn't, this isn't, you know, this is just how God has always worked through history. This is who he is. This is Romans chapter 8. These are going to be familiar verses probably to most of you. But we need to hear them again. Romans chapter 8, verse 27, it says this, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now there's a lot in here. But he's basically writing, a, he's saying, this, this is how Joseph lived. And this is how we need to live. That God is in control of the good times and the bad times. Our good choices and our horrible choices. Our wisdom, but our foolishness too. And for those who have trusted Christ as Savior... There is a purpose behind the pain and the joys. And what does he say here is the purpose. What is God doing right here on planet earth in the body of Christ? In your life, if you're a believer, what is God doing? He says it down in verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be Conform to the image of his son. You know what God wants to do? Make you more like Jesus Christ. His character. That you would respond like him. That you would live like him. That you would be like him. That you would do what he does. And So that's why our road has to involve pain. Because Jesus Christ, was his life carefree? Was his life easy? No way. His father didn't, didn't take him out of pain. He went right through it. But as he went right through it, God the Father was with him every step of the way. So that's what God is up to in us. You know why you're going through a hard time? Because God wants to make Christ in your life. And he has trouble doing it when everything is going well in your life. We just tend to think, well... Who's in control? I am. My life is good. We might pray. We might read our Bible. We might. Bottom line is, you know when we are most dependent upon God? When your life is hard and you don't know what to do and it's painful. 
and you're on your face crying out saying, God, what are you doing in this? You seem silent. You seem like you're a million miles away. He's not. That's what the word of God says. He's a father who loves you more than anything. And he will not allow you to stay the way you are. And so that's why part of the road involves pain. To get us trusting the Lord. And Joseph shows us that. His life shows us that. And we can relate to it. And it wasn't just this hunky-dory story. And so we can see that. And I think, you know, it just comes back to us, you know. Is there any mark? What, what marks us as Christ's followers? If someone does something mean to us and we do something mean back, we're just, that's what the world does. You don't need God in your life to do that. You just be human and you'll do that. I'm going to get even with him. Nobody else knows it, but I'm going to get even with him. You watch. That's not what God does. Now you see, when God's treated horribly, what does he give? What does he give? Say it louder. He gives grace. Absolutely, he gives grace. He treats us in a way that we don't deserve. And so when we get that, we're in a place that we can give that to the people around us. It's not sourced in you. <laughs> There's nothing in you, human being, that will do that. There's nothing in me. It's a work of God. It's a work of him. And Joseph shows us that. And so I think, you know, the, 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 the question for you is, how are you seeing God's kindness towards you? Because you'll never give kindness if you don't, if, if you don't see God's kindness in your life. One of the ways we see God's kindness is that he he has communicated with the world who he is and what he's about and what he's doing. <laughs> we have it right here. This is God's kindness. Well, Steve, I don't like reading. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. You got God's kindness everywhere that you go. You got to read it. See what he says. Yeah, he's kind. Maybe some of you in this morning, you're here and you're You're struggling to receive God's kindness. And the, the only thing I can say to you is, the only way you can, is by surrendering yourself. That's the only way you can get it. By God, you know what, God? Just help me. Help me to get it. Help me to understand. Maybe some of you are in this room, you're fighting God right now. You look good. You're sitting in your seats and you got the part down, but in your soul right now, I'm not pointing to you, Tina, I'm, I'm just <laughs> got to clarify. In your soul, you are fighting God. There's a prayer that he didn't answer your way. And if you're to be honest, you're ticked off at God. You're ticked. You know the beauty about God? He can handle it. Tell him you're ticked. Maybe today, go for a walk, go out in the woods, and yell your head off at him. He can handle it. He's perfectly capable. And sometimes in that moment, 
We see God because we're willing to be honest instead of continuing to hold up the front like we have it all together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and I think very appropriately, songs this morning were all about God's forgiveness, God's grace, God's blood, because that's what we really need. We all do. Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for Joseph. God, we thank you for his example. And God, it's not just a story that is a tale from Walt Disney World, but Joseph was a man that loved you with all of his heart. God, I pray that you would help us as your sons and daughters in this room. God, that we would respond to you this morning and your kindness, that we would see it. And God, where we can't see it, we would surrender. And God, that, that you would help us in our unbelief. God, I pray for us as a church, God, that we would be a church that have, would have a reputation of kindness, grace towards one another. And God, when we get it wrong, that we would be the first to say, you know what, I am, I am sorry. God, that you would continue to do a work in our hearts. God, we don't want to just play church. We know that, that, that makes you angry. God, you want sons and daughters that are willing to respond with a heart that is soft and willing to be obedient. God, we give all of these things to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you.